turning your Bibles to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, and um, I, I think it's important that we soak up the thing. I, I think it's important that we, that we uh, rep who Jesus is and be able to demonstrate to other people who Jesus is and what he does. I, I think it's important for us to go to church and take notes and learn about it and sing the songs and praise our God and lift our hands and shout with praise of who he is and what he did. I think it's important for us to Wear the t-shirt and be, be bold in our faith to be able to let people know that I know Jesus, I love him, he's part of my life. I think that's important. I think it's important that we show him who he is on Facebook and be able to, I mean, be able to quote the verses and get in our car and turn on the radio and praise the name of Jesus. But if all it is is an awareness of Jesus and not living out Jesus, then we missed it. That's what Jesus is doing with the disciples. There was a lot of people that weren't getting it. He wants us to get it. He wants us to have faith and confidence in an almighty God and not just the idea that I know who he is or he does good or I'm going to pull him into my problems, not pull him into my life. I'm, I'm going to work up to this story, but in Mark chapter 6, verse 1, and he went from thence and came into his own country and his disciples followed. So, so here they are following him out and he goes back to Nazareth. That was his home. But it's not what you think. You would have thought they would have been like, oh, Jesus is here. Man, he's the, the prophet that came to us. He's the Messiah. But that's not what happened. They knew him as Joseph's son. They, they knew him as a good man. They knew him as these things. And, and, and it says in verse 2, when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogues. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, from, from whence is this man these things? And what wisdom is, is this which was given unto, unto him? Even such mighty works which wrought by his hands. Is this not the carpenter's son, son of Mary, the brother James and Joseph and Judah and, and, and Simon? And, and, and these are his sisters here with us. And they were offended at him. It's like, who do you think you are? <laughs> you come in here all gawky? Uh, you, you, th- you think you're something now, buddy? I mean, you're, you're, you're with you. You're Joseph's son. You are a carpenter, dude. You're not some sort of above us all it's not like you own this town and i mean they 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 were offended at him they they were they did not recognize his authority and i mean you've done some good things and all these things are going on and but you're you're nothing special the bible talked about his family and he's there in the gathering and his aunts and uncles and all them that are there but jesus said unto them a prophet is not without honor but in his own country and among his own kin his own house And he could there do no mighty work, save he laid hands on a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. He went round about the villages teaching. He marveled. He was like, man, marvel. I mean, it literally means to be taken back by something. It's like, how how do you doubt this? Isn't it crazy that you can be so close and be able to soak up all these things and then still in our minds doubt? Like, I don't know. That, that's what he was saying. It's just like you doubt what I'm doing. You're doubting all these things. And, and Jesus was marveled at this. I wonder how many times, and I'm not talking about the good marvel. I'm not, I'm not talking like, man, that was awesome. Because sometimes the Bible says that he marveled at their great faith. He was marveling at their disbelief. The Bible says that in, in verse 4, that a prophet is without honor in his own country. And then he said in verse 5, and he could there do no mighty work. There's a connection. Let, let me show you this. We talk about why, why do we not see God working. There's a connection between the, uh, the power of God and the faith of his people. It's, if you want to see God work, then you've got to believe in his power. It's, they, they were missing out. And I'm not, 
<clears throat> trying to read into anything. I'm, I'm giving this to you for what it is. He was saying that I could not do these things because their faith mattered. It's about the power of faith. Does it matter? Does it matter if you believe that God can and that he will? That you seek after, that you want it, or just the idea that you sing about it? Does it matter? And Jesus said in Matthew 17, verse 20, and Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief. He confronts them. It's over and over again about their unbelief. If, if you don't believe that he can, you won't seek him to do things. You, you, you'll just have it a head knowledge, but not a heart knowledge. Because a heart knowledge is a drive that I want to see it. I want it like that woman with the issue of blood. She pushed through the crowd and said, I believe that he can. When Jairus was going through, he pushed through the crowd like, like I want to see Jesus. But for us to be observers and not seekers means that we're not experiencing it. But it must come from faith. We must believe that he is and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And knowledge is not enough. Because if you're unbelief, for verily I say to you, if you had faith, the grain of a mustard seed, you shall say this mountain be removed from thence and go yonder place, and it shall be removed. For nothing shall be impossible unto you. That's what he said to the disciples, wanting them to get their faith. Faith is powerful, but so is unbelief. The city missed out on seeing God do things because they didn't believe. Do we struggle with that? The, the story goes on later, and we'll get to it another time, about Peter stepping out of the boat. That's what happens in the bottom. And in, in, in John, it, doesn't, it tells us that, but in Mark, it doesn't tell us about Peter getting out of the water. But it does talk about Jesus coming Walking on it. And, and the whole point of Peter was the fact is, like, everybody was in the boat. And they're like, Jesus is awesome. Jesus does wonderful things. And Jesus is powerful. Peter was like, yeah, but I want to experience it. So he gets out of the boat and starts walking to Jesus. I think there's a, <clears throat> a difference between some of us that talk about what Jesus is and wanting to step on water and experience who he is. This whole passage was just, it was Jesus was trying to get them to go from a head knowledge to a heart knowledge of action. Verse 7, he called unto the twelve, and he began to send them forth two and two. And gave them power over unclean spirits and commanded them that they should take nothing for their journey. What? Like, why? Well, you know, you can imagine they show up with their backpack like, I'm ready to go, like a Boy Scout. And Jesus was like, take down your back, take off your backpack. You're not taking that stuff with you. He says, he says, save your staff only, but no script, no bread, no money in their purse. He said, why? Because he had a plan. He wanted to teach them that it was about God and trusting in God and not what you have. He wants you to understand that faith is believing that God can accomplish more than what you have in your possession. The disciples go from disciples to apostle here. And, and I'll show you this as we get into this. They go from the disciples. A disciple was somebody that followed Jesus. An apostle was somebody that was sent out by Jesus. We throw out those terms all the time, but there was significance to those teachings. And what those words meant, it was Jesus doesn't want us just to be followers of Jesus Christ. He wants us to be missional for Jesus Christ. There's a difference. Jesus sends them out. They go preaching and ministering and doing all these things to live out their faith, to go by faith, to move forward with confidence. The end game of what we're doing right now, you're sitting in here, this is us right here, in, in, in church with our Bibles in our hands. The end game of this is not just to soak it up. It's to be able to say, okay, let's go do something with it. If all we do is gather in this room to learn more about Jesus and we don't go out to be like Jesus, then we don't know what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And I want to challenge you because there, there's a transition that happens because Jesus is like teaching them things and he steps back and he's like, are you getting it? 
Are you getting it? Guys, are you getting it? And he wants them to get it. Because you cannot experience great moves of faith or great moves of God without taking great steps of faith. You just can't. I think we want one without the other, and it doesn't work that way. The Bible says, Wilt thou, O man, know this, that faith without works is dead? it's, It's not just a matter of, I believe that it can, but it's pursuing that he will. So here we are. The story is a setup. You guys ready for this? You know this story. I'm going to start reading and you go, oh man, I know this story. And we all know this story, but it's a setup. <clears throat> they come back from this short-term mission trip. And all these things happen in verse 30. And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all the things, both what they had done when they had taught. You can imagine, they, they go out, they're ministering, and God's healing through them and doing all these many wonderful works and all these things. And they get back and they're like, that was awesome. Like, we went to this place and I had no money and they took up a collection and, and got us to the next city and another place. There was these people and they were resisting us and I thought they were going to shut us down. But all of a sudden, the power of God broke through and we preached and their lives were changed and they were so excited because they were going from disciples to apostles saying this is awesome and they told them all the things that done, but then they were worn out. They needed rest and he said unto them, come yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. And they departed into a desert place by ship privately. And the people saw them departed, and many knew it, and, and ran afoot thither out of all the cities, and went after them, and came together unto him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw such a people. <clears throat> he was moved with compassion toward them, because they were as sheep having no shepherd, and began to teach them many things. And the day was now far spent, and the disciples came unto him and said, this is a desert place, and the time is far past. Listen, the, the, deep, the deep faith of these disciples. Are you guys ready for this? These are the followers. The one that just experienced God doing all these things. They had all this big crowd. God's working. Jesus is preaching and teaching. And man, they're being moved. And Jesus was like, they're like sheep having no shepherd. I want to help them. And the spiritual disciples come up and say, <clears throat> send them away. that They might go into the country, round about into the villages and buy themselves some bread. Said, man, get rid of these guys. If we could get rid of them, then we could do our, they're holding us back. We don't, we don't have time for this. For they have nothing to eat. And he answered and said of them, gave ye them to eat. They say, them, shall we go and, and buy 200 penny worth of bread and give them to eat? It's like a question, like, what do you want us to do? Say, then how many loaves have ye? Go and see. When they knew, they say, five and two fishes. And he commanded them to make them sit down, all companies, in the green grass. And he sat them down in ranks by hundreds and fifties. When he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven and blessed it and break the loaves. And he gave them to his disciples and sat before them. And the two fishes divided he among them all. And they did eat, and they were filled. And they took up twelve baskets full of fragments and fishes. And they that did eat of the loaves were about five thousand men. No, okay, it's just so you have an understanding. It says they were about 5,000 men. So in that culture, if they were counting households in a sense, so that they counted the number of men instead of counting everybody. So if it was 5,000 men, we talk about the feeding of the 5,000. It actually wasn't the feeding of the 5,000. It was the feeding of like 10, 15, 20,000. Because for every man represented a spouse or kids or whatever. So there was multiples and the Bible is emphasizing. That was just the 5,000 was just the men, but we don't know the specific number. 
But as they're, as they're there, the, the time's flying by. It's now late. They're hungry. The disciples, they send them away. And I'm just going to ask you right now, just, just as a, a, a check-in like this, audience participation. Are you guys ready? How many of you have heard the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 before? Raise your hand. Okay. All right, so we can just go home now. You can leave early for lunch. Mission accomplished. Some of you are like, is he serious? This is great. I want to show you that there's more to the story. So when I started this series, I, I, started, I, I started with the cameras. Some of you guys remember that I had the cameras. And I was talking about uh, if you were to produce a movie that they have multiple camera angles. And I actually showed this, that they, they, had, they have one that would show the tra- uh, car chase coming down the road, and another one from inside the car, and another one that they'll do from the bridge, and it flying under, and all these different things, and they'll show it to make the story come alive. Well, that's what the Gospels are. You got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and all of them shoot the story and tell the story from a different perspective. All the same Jesus, but from a different angle. Luke was a doctor, so he tells it from a different uh, perspective. Matthew was into the details. Mark was like, let's go, and he flies through the story. All the same Jesus. So I want to show you a camera angle and show you the behind the scenes of what Jesus was thinking of why he did this. You ready for this? Watch this. John chapter 5, same story, different camera angle. Ready? When Jesus lifted up his eyes, he saw a great company come unto him, and he saith unto him, uh, uh, unto Philip, when shall we buy bread that these might eat? So he comes up and he asks the question. He said, Philip, come here. What are we going to do? I know that we all get into situations like we're scratching our heads going, what are we going to do? You guys know what I'm talking about? We get in these things like, I don't know what to do. But here's the thing. And he said this unto them. And, he, and this he said unto them to prove him. For he himself knew what he would do. Jesus already knew. Do you guys get that? Massive problem, overwhelming circumstances, huge amount of people. The disciples are going crazy, send them away. We can't do this. What are we supposed to do with all this? And Jesus knew what he was going to do. It was a test. It even says in that passage that he would prove him. He said this just to prove him. He said this to test him. Like, guys, you know I'm the bread of life. You know I'm the giver of all things. You know I'm the provider. You know I have authority. You know that I have authority over death and hell and the grave and all this other stuff. So he just steps back and he says, what do you think we should do? Have you ever thought that maybe some of our circumstances that we face in life, that's what God's doing? And we're like freaking out. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know this is going to happen. We're just going through the motions of this. Jesus already had a plan. He knew they were coming. He knew that they were hungry. He knew that they didn't have enough money. He knew that they didn't have enough resources, all these things. The question is, will you have faith in me? You know this, but what are you going to do with what you know? Question to all of us. You know Jesus. What are you going to do with what you know? Because there's no reason to study the Gospels if you're not going to start living out the Gospels. So here's the testing of our faith. And I'm taking this straight from scripture. I'm going to do this to prove you. So here's the test. It's not just what you know, it's what you do with it. So the story was a setup. Verse 35. When the, when the day was now far spent, the disciples came unto him and said, The desert place. This is a desert place. And now the time is far past. Send them away that they might go into the country round about the villages to buy themselves bread. For they have nothing to eat. 
And Jesus responds and says, give them to eat. Now, let me just put this out there because I know what you're thinking. It's like, okay, they would just strategize of what to do. If, if any of you guys ever had somebody just dropping your house and you had to feed them or something, you're like scrambling what to do. That's complicated. But let's just lay this out for a minute. I mean, you, you think about what they're dealing with. If you were right now were to call up Domino's Pizza and you had a house full and you say, you know, I'm, I'm, let's just use this crowd right here. Let's, let's just say this. And there's probably about 350 people in this room right now, okay? If we, if we were to use that estimate right there, and if I was to call Domino's, what do you think Domino's would say to me? If I said, I need, I, I don't know, you know, 200 pizzas. They, they would have been like, there's no way we can handle that. There is no way. If I was to go to Costco right now, if I was to go to Sam's Club, I, I wouldn't have a building, a, 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 a car or truck or a, a box truck big enough to go get that much food. If I was to call Uber Eats, if I was to call all of the pizza places in here, there would have been no resource. They, they were far beyond this. You talk about the resources we have with cars and transportation and online apps, the orders. They had none of that. You understand that this huge problem came out of nowhere. Have you ever had a problem that just came out of nowhere? <clears throat> I'm sure the disciples were like, Lord, if we would have just known about this, we would have pre-planned. But that's not life. Life hits you out of nowhere. Life will hit you hard. Life, life will take the breath out of you. Life will knock you down. And this is just true life. It, it, it's, they didn't have time to prepare. It was not like they were like, the disciples had like a few hours saying, guys, I think we're going to get hungry later, so go scout out food. No, the problem came out of nowhere. Have you ever said the words, it's like my car broke down, but it just broke down at a really bad time. Have you ever in your life ever said the car broke down, but it broke down at a great time? <laughs> Has anybody ever said that before? Do you know why? Because when problems come, it's never a good time. It's never good. So for us, it's, it's like you better just be ready because I don't know. I can't speak into a lot of things, but I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to prophesy over all you right now. You ready? Yep. Problems are coming your way. Ooh. So how do you know that? Oh, just, whew, you don't have no idea. Problems will come your way and knock you down and hit you out of nowhere. You know why? That is just life. Yeah. And it happened to the disciples and it will happen to you because that is just life. And Satan will come out beside you when those things come and says, where's your God now? What are you going to do? It's like, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. And he sends around and goes, you're in a desert place. Where's all these blessings? Do the math, dude. And that's literally what they're doing in this passage. Do the math. It's not going to add up. Let me, let me give you the truth. God has never faced an unexpected need. Do you know what I'm saying by that? You're like, he's never faced an unexpected need. Emphasis on unexpected. He has never faced an unexpected need. You know why? Because he always had a plan. That's the whole point of this story right here. Let, let me show you this. The problem seemed to be impossible to handle. Let me ask you, where are they at? It says in verse 35, when they said, this is a desert place and now the time is far past. And then Jesus responds and he was like, they come up to him with this information. Lord, we're in a desert place. There's not a, there's not a Chipotle for miles. Okay, that's what they're saying in our terms. There's not a McDonald's. There's not a Costco. There's nothing for miles. And besides that, everything's about to close. That's the, that's the terminology that's being used here. 
And then the time is far past, and Jesus says, give them to eat. Like, oh, oh, okay, I like, but we can't. Jesus was like, don't make them leave. And they were like, really, do you understand where we're at? Now, Mark 37, and he answered and said, get unto the eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 penny worth of bread and, and give them to eat? Now, just to put this in perspective, and we don't know all of the history, and I've read a lot of people that kind of guess at this, 200 penny worth was a penny worth, one penny worth was a whole day's wage. You work all day, you get one of those. That's the whole day's wage. He was saying, do you want me to go into the city and buy 200 penny worth? Number one, no place would ever have that. Number two, it's not insinuating that they have it. It could have been in a form of, it either was that that's all they had collectively among their whole ministry to do this. And Philip was saying, you want to spend every dime we have? Or it could have been this. It could have been when Jesus was saying, or, or when Philip was saying this, it was an exaggeration. Have you ever said something like that? It's going to cost a million dollars. You know, it's something that we throw out that we don't actually mean. But for them, that kind of money to feed 5, 10, 15, 20,000 people would have been astronomical. Philip was calculating. He was trying to figure it, out, figure it out. Well, in John chapter 6, the other camera angle, let me show you this. He said, Philip answered and said, uh, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them might take a little. He said, even if we could do it, even if we went out, he said, if we had that, everybody would just, it's not enough for them. They would just, it'd be a snack. They're famished. They're starving. They're hungry. Do the math. It doesn't add up. We talk about living by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. So you guys ready for this? This is what faith is. Faith is trusting God when things don't add up. That's what faith is. Because I tell you, when things don't add up, we're just like, well, it's not going to work out. And God said, well, where's your faith? Faith is trusting God when things don't add up. And now I'm going to tell you now that things are not going to add up a lot in your life. Because we try to do the math. You, we're good at this. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like you get into a thing and it's like, well, if I, okay, if I work overtime and then we get that bonus check and as long as we get that tax refund that's coming in, if things don't change with that, and if, 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 if this, then it should work out. So we write out the plan and then we give it to God and say, God, I think this is how it's going to work. And, and we, God doesn't work in the parameters of statistics. God doesn't, God works beyond those things. You know, I just like, and I, I'm telling you, I know I'm preaching the choir. T tomorrow morning at 9 a.m., we're going to the hospital and we're meeting with the doctor team to sit down. That the, the, the more, the, 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 the current treatment that Logan's on now is not working. So that means that they're going to start putting things on the table that have a lower statistic. And I struggle with this. Jenny, Jenny calls me out on this all the time. And she says, that God doesn't work in statistics. Some of the treatments, it only has a 5 to 10% chance of doing anything. It messes with your brain. When, when, you're, when you're trying to move forward by faith and you add up your checkbook and you're just like, we just, we're not going to make it. I'm telling you, we're not. Well, if I get this job, we're not going to make it. We're, I'm, I'm trying to buy a house. We're not going to get it. Faith is trusting God when things just don't add up. The thing is, God is not restricted by statistics, but we limit God. It's the same thing that they were doing at the beginning of this chapter. It's like, who are you? And you can't do this. And they're unbelief, unbelief, unbelief. No wonder we struggle so much because we don't believe. We hear it, we see it, we hear it, we see it, but we don't believe it. 
They're literally saying, if we spent every dime we had, we still fall short, Jesus. But I love it because Jesus did not walk and say and say, well, you guys figure it out and come get me. This is what he does. Jesus steps in. So we have the testing of their faith, but here's the application or the applying of their faith. Because faith is action. Faith is moving forward when nothing makes sense. Faith, faith is believing in something. It's, it's an action. It's, it's more than just belief. It's more than knowledge. He saith unto them, how many loaves have ye? Go and see. And when they knew, they say five and two fishes. So Jesus starts off this whole thing by literally going to them and just saying, I don't want you to figure this out, okay? And I, and I know that's what we're good at doing. We're good at figuring it out. Jesus goes forward with this and says, what do you have? What do you have? I, I know that's complicated because if I'm to look at what I have, I'm going to already doubt God because I'm like, I'll tell you what I got, but it's not near enough. This whole thing was a setup. I know I've said this, but notice this. The solution often comes from the least expected places. That's just how God works. God loves throwing out your plan. God loves throwing out the doctor's plans. I, we, we have it all figured out. And it's, you can imagine the disciples. So they rally together. This is literally what happened, okay? Jesus was like, what do you have? And they said, oh, let's go see. So they start going through and they have... Thousands of people there. You can imagine they're all in different places and they're going up to, hey, did you guys bring any food today? Jesus is asking. So most of them didn't have food or they wouldn't be doing this. And secondly, a lot of them that probably did have food because they would have traveled and had it were like, put it like, yeah, oh, no, this is for us. And I barely have enough even for my family. So they were holding back. But so, so visualize this, okay? So there's one little boy. And I know you guys know this story already. And, and the little boy has this, this is it. 5,000 or 10,000, 20,000 people, this whole mass of people. And, and, the, and then the disciples come like, what did you find? Nothing, man. Short ends. No, uh, nothing worked out. I'm, I have nothing. I have nothing. And one of them's like, well, I, well okay, guys, I did, I did find this. You can imagine this thing. Are you going to bring that to Jesus? Seriously, dude? You're, you're gonna, he asked us to go find food and you're going to lift this up to him? It's like... Can you imagine that? It's like, what, what, what is that? What, what, what is that going to accomplish? It's, but remember, this is all a setup. John 6, 9 describes it like this. There is a lad here. It's not even like, there's a, 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 a guy that's a bread salesman that's here. Because even that would have been tough, but it have been like, okay, a little potential there. Or there's a guy that was traveling through and his truck broke down or his, 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 uh, his donkey broke down. I don't know. <laughs> This donkey broke down, broke a leg. He has all this bread and he just needs to get rid of it really fast. You know, just, so, you know that would have made a little more sense. But I found a little boy. He had five barley loaves and two fishes. Nope, he didn't even say that. Two small fishes. Why was Jesus teaching them through this? That God can do anything through anything. Little is much when God is in it. You know why God does that? Because God didn't want the bread maker of the town getting all the glory. Everything that God does and God brings us through, it's for the glory of God. God is not limited by what you have. God is not limited by what you have. I don't know what you have, and I know that it's not very much. As a little boy's sack lunch that he had, but God 
is not limited by what you have. Do, do, go to your checkbook, go to your online account, go, go to your Chase app, whatever. Go, go to your resources, go to your time. I'm just going to declare to you, I'm going to preach to you, I'm going to tell you right now, God is not limited by what you have. He's not. But unless you believe that, you'll never get out of the boat. Unless you believe that, you're never going to lift up the lunch. God took something small and insignificant and used it to do great things. That's the point in the story. But it had to be faith. Do you understand that that little boy, whatever reason, I don't know his history, I don't know the story behind it, whatever, but that little boy had to make a decision on that day. He was holding this lunch thinking, this is all I've got. And Jesus didn't walk up and ask him, can I have 10% of your loaves and fishes? He held it up and said, he can have it all. Where would this story be without that little boy? And, 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 and I know that we, we could have looked at that God could have made anything out of anything. But he, he used, listen, it's not just about what you have. It's about what you're willing to do with it. It's neat how God works. It's so cool how God works. Do you know how God created the sun, moon, and stars? He spoke it. You know how God created whales and, and, and llamas and donkeys? He spoke it. We, we know the power of God could have done these things, but in that moment, Jesus said, show me what you have. God worked through us. God worked through faith. He was working through the disciples. He's working through this boy. And the boy could have said, what are you doing? I need this. This is from my mom. I'm hungry too. It's all I've got. Do you know what that is? Do you understand? For the little boy to turn around and say, all right, Jesus can have it. Unless the disciples just tackled the little boy and took and said, run with it. You know, I don't think that's what happened. But the little boy surrendered it. You know what that is? It's faith. We catching on, guys? We catching on? Do, do you take steps of faith? Because this is the result of their faith. God was working in the story because they held nothing back. God was working because even though Philip and them didn't have the faith, there's a little boy that did have the faith, but God was trying to get them to live out their faith. When Philip gave the instructions in John chapter 6, verse 7, Philip answered and said, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them might take what? A little. A little. You know what it is? In our minds, it's like, okay, this won't make a difference. Even if, even if we had all that money, and they weren't even comparing, even if they had all that money, this won't make a difference. Won't make a difference. When Jesus was teaching the disciples about faith, he said, if you had the faith, the grain, the size of a mustard seed, you could move mountains. So yes, that could make a difference. I know we struggle with this. We all struggle with this. But when Jesus got a hold of it and they stepped out on faith, when Peter stepped out of the water, when the boy gave his lunch, when he did that, that's when God begins to move. Because without faith, it is not complicated to please God. It's not just challenging to please God. The Bible said without faith, it is impossible to please God. So if there's a lesson to be learned, it's not, let me tell you about my Jesus. He is, he is, he is, he is, all these things. The thing is, are you going to trust who he is? Are you going to act out who he is? Are you going to move forward with who he is? Are you going to live sacrificially? Are you going to trust him when things don't make sense? Are you going to have faith when things don't add up? Are you going to believe in the God that said, I have it all worked out. I have a plan. 
Philip says, it's only going to do a little of what happened when Jesus got a hold of Mark 6, 42. And they did eat and they were filled. And they took up the 12 baskets full of fragments and of the fishes. In fact, John tells us in John 6, 13, which remained over and above. That's because my God, when he gets a hold of things and you say, we just don't see works of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you ask or think. Not like this. Let's get it? Not like this. It's more of the attitude. It's like, I know it's not much. And God, I, I just looked at this from every angle and it doesn't add up. The 200 penny worth did not add up, but this really does not add up. But I know you. I know you. So you can have it all. And God says, thank you. Little is much when God is in it. Because the whole message was faith. I don't know who got all the leftover bread. There's 12 baskets full. Maybe the boy. Because the Bible says, given it shall be given unto you. Maybe God was living out that principle with him. The boy gets home and says, you know, mom says, did you, did you eat your lunch? Well, mom, not really. What did you do with it? I gave it away. So you're hungry. You're coming home hungry after I gave you. No, mom, I'm stuffed. And, and, and could you use this, mom? <laughs> and I don't know. I know the Bible principle, but I don't know that. But I knew that, I, I do know that God does exceedingly abundantly above what we ask or think. I know that. And God did things, and when those men in John 6, 14, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said this of truth, that the prophet that should come into this world, everything that happened was for the glory of God and the changing of lives. But can I wrap up on a not so cool note? but just real. I mean, this is just being real. Okay, can we just be real? Because they, they, Jesus goes up into a mountain to pray. He sends the disciples to the other side. They're going to the other side. They get into another storm. I remember we went, I talked about them being in a storm already and Jesus comes walking on the water. Now listen to what it says. Just, just get it. For, in, in Mark 6, 6.50, for they saw him and they were troubled and immediately he talked with them and saith unto them, be of good cheer, it is not, be not afraid. And they went up unto them in the ship and the wind ceased and they were so amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. Verse 52, for they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. Is that not us? <laughs> you know why we keep coming back every Sunday? Because I need to learn it again. I need to be reminded again. Because that's us. God heals the demonic. They turn around and hit a circumstance. What are we going to do? God brings them through that. God does an amazing thing. They turn around. What are we going to do? God brings them through that. They turn around. What are we going to do? It's all of our testimony. And what God was doing through every single one was showing them grace to say, listen, I want to keep working through you. Just take steps of faith. So don't just soak up my Jesus. Don't just soak up the lessons. Don't just read the Gospels. Put it in your head. Put it in your heart and live it out. Live it out. 
be trained to go and trained to ready to apply what you've learned because well, there's going to come time that you're hit out of nowhere and you have no resources and it's so overwhelming and you're not going to know what to do. And Jesus is going to say, what do you have? Can I have it? And let me show you some amazing things.